Promo Kitchen is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, please visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. One of the ways you can get involved is by donating to our cause. We rely on our community for financial support to help cover the cost of producing our educational content and our networking mixers. You can donate today right from your phone at promokitchen.org donate. Thank you so much, and let's get started with the show. Hey everyone, it's Johanna Gottlieb with Access Promotions and a Promo Kitchen Chef. And I'm here today with Danny Rosen from Brand Fuel, a fellow Promo Kitchen Chef. And today we are talking to Melanie from Right Sleeve and Scott over at Icebox. And Melanie is pretty new to the industry, where Scott has experience in the industry. And we're going to talk to them about their perspectives, their thoughts about the industry what it's like to be a newbie, what it's like to have been around the box for a little bit and have a really great conversation with both of them about their roles at each respective company. So with that, thanks guys for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be here. And I apologize to everyone listening. My voice is a little froggy today, working through a cold here, but we'll get through this. Melanie, why don't we start with you? Can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing before you joined Right Sleeve? Yeah, sure. So. Before I came here, I was working in the fashion industry. My last job was working as an assistant buyer for a large Canadian fast fashion retailer. I was making graphic tees and pajamas for the last year or so. Before I was doing the buying part, I was doing wholesale for a bunch of different brands with a wholesale agency. So yeah, I came from doing merchandise in one way, in a more fashion way, over into this way. That's a really great background. Scott, how about you, man? Other than, you know, spin the bottle with the kids in the neighborhood, what were, <laughs> what were you doing before you started in this wild and wacky promotional products industry? Well, unlike Melanie, who kind of was in fashion and kind of a kissing cousin to where she's now, I, other than waiting some tables for my father's restaurant, which was the only real job I ever had, I was dabbling around with such things as mowing lawns, washing cars, selling lemonade. <laughs> I had a baseball card business for a couple of years, went to go to the conventions in that industry, which was pretty interesting. But I really never had a real job and still don't feel like I have one, frankly. So I was very entrepreneurial prior to getting into this industry. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I feel like that song by the Eagles, Hotel California, what's the quote? You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. I feel like that that is this industry. So how many years has it been after the trading card lemonade stand? If you count a few brief years in college, that was in the early 90s. So what is that? I don't even know how many years that is. So let's call it 1990, 20-something years, 27, 8, 9 years now. Yeah, so you're almost three decades in. So Three decades. A big difference than Melanie, I guess. So why have you stayed in this industry for almost three decades? <laughs> well, like I said, I don't know much else, and it's still fun for me. I, I really like what I do, and it's been a fast-paced, which I enjoy, and a, an opportunity to be creative, which I enjoy, and didn't really have many other options, so I just decided to stick it out. 
Yeah, well, I think that you're being quite humble. I, I'd like to share with the listeners that you started at pretty much zero and have run your way on up to $32 million in sales, which is just really, really impressive. I think a bigger, broader question for you to share with folks, knowing that you had such an amazing time out of the gate and growing a business like you have in our industry with a fantastic brand. What do you think the future looks like for the industry? You know, what's on the horizon for this crazy promotional product space? I think the future is really bright. I think that obviously the industry's changed a lot. I'm sure we'll touch on some of that today, but I feel like the more competition there is, that just breeds, you know, innovation and value add and just doing more for your customers because if you don't, someone else will. And so I think the future is certainly bright and we're excited about just the advances I've seen in my, I guess, three decades now, not to age me. But yeah, bright future. We're excited to be in it. And again, I'm still having fun every day. That's awesome. I think it's amazing that you've been doing this for so long. And, you know, Melly, I didn't ask you exactly how long has it been since you started? I started six weeks ago now. Great. Do you get excited (laughs) thinking about that and what the future holds? Yeah, it seems like such an interesting industry. And I know everyone who's here at Right Sleeve has been loving it and staying here and really growing and watching the industry continue to grow and all the different things. So yeah, I'm really excited to see where it goes for me. I mean, listen, Scott, I don't know a lot about your company. If I've read a little bit about you guys and a little bit of research, I know you are very cool and creative. So I think both of you are at amazing organizations. And I think that definitely helps to come to work and like what you do and sort of smile and, and like your colleagues and all that good stuff. So that's always a bonus for longevity. Shifting gears a little bit, Melanie, can you tell us about how you heard about Right Sleeve and the industry in itself? Were you looking at other companies? Did you know about the role? What sort of intrigued you to take that next step? Yeah, so I had always been interested in doing some sort of work in marketing but I really wanted to also hold on to doing merchandise or fashion because that's what I had some experience in and kind of had an eye out looking at a few different jobs here and there. And I saw the post for Right Sleeve and it just seemed like the perfect culmination of all of my background from doing sales, making merchandise. I just finished doing a marketing certificate at U of T. So it was just the perfect position for me. And in the job posting, it said a lot about being innovative and passionate, creative, part of something special. And it just really seemed like the perfect place for me. That's great. I have a quick question around that. Are they hiring at Right Sleeve in terms of people who have industry experience or people who don't have industry experience? It's kind of funny because they were saying that they usually get people from completely different backgrounds to see what they can bring to the industry, kind of different mindsets or experiences can bring new ideas in. And they were saying that I had the most specific background for the job than they've hired in a while. But it's translated really well for me. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. A great company. And and Scotty, are you guys, do you typically hire people from within the industry? Are you sort of outside of the lines a bit? And if so, what are you looking for? You know, we've done both. And I think our preference is actually And I'm going against that as we speak because we are hiring an industry vet as we speak. But typically, we prefer kind of no experience, kind of what Melanie was saying that Right Sleeve does in that, you know, a fresh set of eyes, someone who doesn't have potentially bad habits and just a closed mind and how their last company did it. We like to take kind of someone, 
ideally fresh out of school and really try to mold them into our culture and our way of how we attack the market. Awesome. Danny, I'm curious, what do you guys do? We do sort of a hybrid. I think the idea of having culture fit first, it's interesting. There's a study by Gallup that they do. It's called the Q12 study. And they ask 12 questions around the most important things for an employee to come work for a company and for a company to hire an employee where there's a, a mutual fit. And the number one thing, believe it or not, is someone going to work where they have a friend at work. And so when you think about what that is, you sort of peel back the layers a little bit. This is you know, someone who comes to work, maybe not necessarily 100% to do their job, but they look forward to hanging out with their friends and being with them day in and day out. They can bitch to them. They can go to lunch with them. They can share in successes and mentor and mentee each other. And I think those things are really important. Peeling back the layers, it ends up being about culture fit first. If we can find someone who's awesome and fits within our group and we can go to see live concerts with after hours and they're beer worthy, you know, you sit down and drink a beer with them, whether they work with you or not. I think we can teach them the skills that this industry delivers and needs for you to be successful. How about you, Joe? Definitely a hybrid as well. We've Obviously, on the salesperson side, have people have come to Access that have been with other companies. On the sales support side, it's usually someone, like Scott mentioned, out of college is best sort of molding them. I know for me, I was a waitress and had some admin background before I started at Access, and I loved it. I loved the creative side of it. I felt like it could be something different every single day, and they sort of molded me and taught me about the industry from day one, so that worked out for me. I feel like that's the route, honestly, because sometimes you can be a little bit jaded going into a situation. So it's nice to walk into a company and you have to be moldable as well, you know? No doubt. Melanie, has there been anything in the six weeks since you started that's been like a total shock to you thinking like, what am I doing here? How did I get into this? Not really. It's mostly been positive experiences that I've been shocked about. There's been just so many endless possibilities that you can do for promotional merchandise that I've kind of been like, wow, like you can do that and put a logo on it. I was pleasantly surprised how there seems to be a focus with a lot of clients as well as in the promotional industry, making the merchandise of thinking about sustainability factors Mm -hmm. because of swag seems like something that can just be discarded. But if you do it right, You can make something that's going to last, that's made well, that a client and a customer will really want to hold on to. So I've been very pleased to see that and that there's been lots of new innovative ways to work in sustainability into a product that's going to also be useful. Love to hear that. Yeah. That's a great answer. Hey, Scotty, how about you, man? You know, I'd ask what has completely shocked you about the industry, and maybe we could talk about that. But maybe the question, if I could think about it from Melanie's perspective, if you were to teach someone who came into Icebox day one, you're sitting down having a conversation with a new employee, telling them like what really is going to mess with their minds, like what's going to frustrate them? What are the things that will be shocking so you can sort of level set expectations? What is it you would tell a new Icebox employee? Well, I usually do warn many of our newer hires that I don't know what week it will typically kick in, but it seems pretty normal for you to kind of wake up in a cold sweat and say, oh my God, I forgot about this order or these sizes I didn't get or this event that's next week. And literally, even to this day now, and my dreams are less about an order and more about like how much inventory I might be holding for somebody or something at that level. But it's like, it stays with you at night 
at least with me. And it's a good thing because you, you know, a lot of people, their work is a big part of what defines them. And I think those that care about what they do, which is certainly who you want as an employee and a coworker, et cetera, just the amount of time your brain spends thinking about what we do, I find to be probably more than most industries. Mm -hmm. It takes a good salesperson to care, not just go home and say, I clocked in, I went home, I'm going to have dinner and go to bed. Yeah. You know, you care about the client, you care about the experience, you care about your reputation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Melanie, I know we've been talking a little bit about this already, but how has it been the last six weeks? Like, what are a couple things that you've learned that you are pretty impressed by or pretty wowed by? So far, it's been good. There's been so much to learn, which I know is like a huge part of any new job is just learning how it all goes. And I know in some of the other podcasts, asking some of the newbies about it, just thinking about how after a couple months or years, you know, someone will have an inquiry and people will know exactly what vendor to go to or what the client would want, or they'll just have an answer like just like that based on a simple inquiry about a product. So I've just been getting used to knowing who the contacts are, where to find all the contacts and different products. But I found Common Skew is just a godsend for finding things and people and inquiring with the community to be able to lead me in the right direction. And my team here has been really good. People I work with directly or just other people around the office have been super helpful. Since I'm a coordinator for two different people, so I have a lot on the go at all times and there's a lot of different ways to do things and a lot on the go. But one of the people I'm coordinating for has been out of the office this week and we had a crazy rush order happen last night that needs to come in by Thursday so they can bring 250 items to China for an event. And that's been (laughs) a whirlwind. And that was really anxiety inducing, but also really exciting and exhilarating. And once I got the approval in 10 minutes before coming in here, I was like, that was exciting. I want to do that again. Yeah, it was, it's been good. It's been really exciting seeing some things go through from the very beginning stages all the way to the end, from the inquiries and putting together a presentation, then getting the final approvals and getting them all shipped out. It's been really good, but there's still so much to learn. And even people who have been here for four years or five years or how many years that have been helping me, they're like, oh, don't worry, I'm still learning too. So that's exciting to know that there's just always something else to learn or find out. There definitely is. I know all of us have different like levels of how long we've been here. I've been doing this for over 13 years and still learn things every day. But I'll tell you, I also worked for two people when I started. And I know that juggle, it sounds doable, but there's days where it could be really hard because you're pulled and things are bigger rushes and more priority. And like you said, one person is traveling. And so that can be difficult because you don't feel brave enough to make the decisions. It gets easier. You'll have more confidence. It'll be great because you'll learn such different skill sets from both people. So just, you know, be a sponge. I was working for two people and then I went out on my own, became my own salesperson. But ironically, now I have two kids, so I still work for two people. (laughs) 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 It'll get easier and better for you and you'll benefit greatly from learning from two different styles. Yeah, exactly. Like there are two very different people and have very different ways of doing things. And it's an interesting juggling uh, the different ways they like to approach things so that if I'm doing something for one person, it might be different from the other, but then all our clients are also going to be different. So it's like each situation is going to be completely different anyways. So it's been interesting balancing that. Yeah. And did you know that the guy that runs Right Sleeve, Stephen Musgrave, he was in a band called A Tomb Mold? Oh, yeah, he is in the band. It's a great metal band. (laughs) Have you seen him play? 
I haven't seen him play yet, no, but found them on Spotify and how to listen. <laughs> yeah, that's what I call a trash can breakfast right there. That's a wake up call. And yeah, uh, they're coming to Raleigh. And I, I was like, man, I'm coming to see you. He's like, yeah, they're playing this tiny venue, but what a great guy to work for. And certainly, yeah. you know, the inspiration of Catherine and Mark, this podcast is an iteration of some of sort of, you know, their culture and how they do things in terms of this openness and sharing and learning from each other. And so it sounds like you guys have that mm-hmm. in your environment. This podcast has been brought to you by our good friends at Sanmar. Sanmar believes in the power of promotional products. Since 1971, this family-owned apparel supplier has been dedicated to passionately serving customers through trusted brands like Port Authority, Nike Golf, OGO, District, District Made, and Sport Tech. You can check them out online at sanmar.com. You can also tune in to Sanmar's new twice-monthly podcast, Sanmar Radio, for expert insights and inspiration to grow your business. Scotty, let's shift gears to you, man. You know, we could talk a little bit about your first role in the industry, but I think maybe it's, maybe for Melanie and everybody else's benefit, let's talk about career paths. You know what your career path was, and you're certainly welcome to share that. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about now, you, you have started from sort of nothing and moved to a $32 million, 150 employee, I'd say a very differentiated organization that I will say, like an Axis or Rightsley, very envious of many companies in the industry. What do you think the pathway is for someone like Melanie who's come into this coordinator role or someone who wants to go into marketing or into management? I always feel like this industry is fairly flat. Yeah. But your organization is very big, and I think you know there are possibilities. Talk to us about career paths. Yeah, sure. Before I even go there, I want to just Melanie said something that I think is really important to this industry. And you know, you were speaking, Melanie, the two colleagues that you support, but also just having to kind of put on a different hat all the time with your different customers and all the brands you're working on, et cetera. And I think being a chameleon in this industry is critical for success because. You're having to read the customers at a lot of different levels, their buying tendencies, their price tolerance, their creativity needs, et cetera. And so, you know, one second you're on the phone with a customer that's incredibly demanding in in a creative way, and the next one might be the complete opposite. And so I think you're dead on already seeing that six weeks in with both your internal customer and your external customer that you're going to kind of be a jack of all trades and kind of have to be slightly different in every meeting or interaction that you're in in this space. So that was just a sidebar. As far as career path, Danny, I would say this. I started off in sales. I know I don't want to get too deep into my own career path, but I'm proud now that our company is in a spot where we do have career paths going on and some really good stories. And I agree that for many, many years, we were more of a flat organization and it was really hard to have departments with more than one in in a lot of occasions. But we now have stories where, you know, a guy who used to run our screen print organization is now in sales servicing our largest customer and a warehouse employee is now a project manager and a pick, pack and ship warehouse employee is now in sales support. And so it's great that people can kind of learn the full 360 of the business and be able to kind of ultimately sit where their skills, you know, are, are honed the sharpest as well as where their interest lies. And to me, any good company, and I know, obviously, yours, Danny, and Right Sleeve and Axis are all very good companies. But to me, any good company is going to first get good people 
and then ultimately kind of figure out where they can best help the business and, you know, what gets them excited and coming to work every day. So we're finally kind of at that point, close to 30 years of being in the industry. It hasn't always been with Icebox my full 30 years. I think Icebox is 18 years old. We were 2001. But, you know, it's taken almost that long for us to kind of feel like there is some career path within our organization. That's awesome. It's great talking to you because it's very inspiring to hear what you've built. And I'm sure, Melanie, you're sort of like nodding your head thinking like, wow, that could be me one day in just terms of his path and how far he's gone. So it's definitely interesting to hear your story. Thank you. Yeah. So, Melanie, I know that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about like the next month and the next year? What do you feel like the next few months and, and year will look like for you? Well, as an account coordinator, it's just only up from here, right? And as I was saying, there's so much to learn. So for the next month or so or you know, year, I'm just looking forward to continue to learn and get to a point where I'm asking less questions and I know exactly, oh, that's who I go to. This is what I do for that. And kind of like let it come to me naturally. I'm really excited for making products that the clients are also really excited about that they want to get out there and just begin to eventually grow my own portfolio and have a bunch of clients that I really care about and want to build strong relationships with and see where it all goes from there. That's awesome. I will tell you one thing is don't feel like you have to stop asking questions. Your questions will certainly start to get answered and you're going to be the go-to person for the next new hire, but your questions will just be different. I mean, I'm not afraid to email Danny and get his opinion on a project or email a colleague that works in a different office of mine. Like you should always be asking all of your colleagues questions and your questions will only change. Don't feel like you can't be that kid that's always asking the questions because you should always try to use your voice in this industry. Yeah, I always find I'd rather ask a lot of questions than make stupid mistakes because I'm assuming <laughs> something because it's better to just keep asking questions. Even if you're pretty sure about something, it's so much better to get the confirmation before making a silly mistake that might not be able to be undone. But yeah, like obviously questions are always going to need to be asked when there's new things happening, new products, new vendors, etc. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a place where I don't have to be like, oh, who's the contact for that vendor? Like, you know, unless it changes, I will get eventually to that point where I don't have to look up the vendor every single time or look up the client or look up a price. Like I can ballpark up how much I think that this is going to be shipping from here to here with this number of prints, with this number of colors, like on a rush service for next Friday. Not that, that everyone would know that, but have a better ballpark off the top of my head. It's awesome. I have a couple of points on that. One is I think the traditional mentality of someone coming in, especially into sales or managing a sales relationship in terms of the vendors is to beat them up for the best price, you know, ask them for all they can give, give, give. Mm -hmm. we, we rate them negatively with these five-star ratings when they do a poor job. They make mistakes, they're human, and they depend on us and we depend on them. And so there's a symbiotic relationship. And I think the idea is if we're going to do all that, that's fine. But I think we need to really be reciprocal in terms of when they do a really good job, you know, five-star rate them, you know, send them a pizza, you know, mm -hmm. find the vendors that just do such a good job and embrace them and, and make sure you stick with those guys too. Mm -hmm. I think it's good to get insight from multiple angles. I know people in our office, they ask different people what the answer to a question is and they get different answers and they formulate their own opinions. Mm -hmm. And so I would say outside of your office, and Joe mentioned how often she calls me and how often I ignore her. <laughs> I'm kidding. But 
I think this industry is changing where it's becoming more open and we're trying to help lift the industry up by being a bit more sharing and transparent. And what that looks like and how that translates is, you know, Promo Kitchen is this amazing community where there's a mentor-mentee program. And right now, as we speak, there's a promo chat going on three o'clock Eastern Standard Time every Wednesday on Twitter, where people are sharing insights around the challenges that they have. And then Promo Connect, BPAI has a great sort of open source like community where you can go and ask questions of people in the industry. And certainly Common Skew, you know, the community of Common Skew is a great one as well. I think these things are starting to appear more and more to allow us to you know, as an industry, teach our newest people by way of the veterans like Scotty, Joe, and myself, and the industry grows, and that's what we want. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, keep that in mind. Sorry for the soapbox. <laughs> Scotty, let's talk about your first months in the industry. A little comparison analysis. Let's walk down, let's skip down memory lane and go back 30 years ago, your first job in the industry. Let's talk about your first months and what you were doing. Is it the same as Melanie? Or was it different? It was a different industry for sure. And my role, my, you know, my brother started our first company. It was not called the Icebox. It was our firstborn called Gagware. Weird name. It was a very weird name. But anyways, so early in my career, I was pretty much in sales and, and I kind of got thrown no life jacket and here's a backpack and here's a couple samples and go sell some product. So it was just my brother and I and my mother. So we were a three person company. And it was interesting because you know, the phone would ring and it would be a vendor wanting to get paid. And I'd say, hold on, let me transfer you to accounts payable. And it would be my mom sitting next to me or, you know, let me get you to our art department, which was my brother sitting a little further down the hall. And so we just kind of faked it in those days. But it was just really a lot of hustle and a lot of writing up your orders at night and hitting the streets during the day and kind of learning as I went. But with so much new product having kind of, you know, the influx of of all these brands and the speed at which the industry is now working, it's certainly very different than when I started. And so by starting more how Melanie is, I think it's a much better way to kind of be a little bit more behind the scenes for a while, continue to learn and ask the questions like she was talking about, focusing on products, which she mentioned, and relationships, which is, you know, those two things alone, products and relationships will take you a long way. If you focus on those two areas, the rest is just kind of being likable and having the right attitude and being a winner. And I think you'll be very successful. Scotty, do you have one of those posters up on your wall that says, winner, great attitude, <laughs> successories, right? You need the, <laughs> you have those all over your wall in, in Atlanta. There's a spinoff of those called failurities. It's like uh-huh. the exact opposite of that, like negative attitude, poopy attitude, like, you know, loser, whatever. Anyway, it's like a sinking ship instead of a, you know, whatever. But uh, I digress. <laughs> How about, Scott, for you, thinking about the benefit of your experience, the difference between those, you know, walking into the industry, again, we're going back to 1935 or whatever, <laughs> but, um, but like what it's actually like, like what are the things that you're, you know, put yourself in a newbie's shoes and yeah. maybe this is about normalizing a little bit too. Yeah, you know, I would say that going back to my early days, I, you know, I didn't even know what a distributor was. For one, it's a very confusing in our industry still how they call us promotional products distributors. And I'm just I'm sitting here laughing to myself trying to think back at when I first started and for some reason that came to my mind that I'm sitting in a room and my mom was trying to explain to me what a distributor is and 
here we are 30 years later and I still don't totally understand. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I think the industry, like I said earlier, I think nowadays things like speed, sense of urgency, relationship building, you know, I didn't realize when I first started in this industry how one relationship could, you know, span decades and between the referrals you can get from that person or the business you can do if it's on the vendor side, really investing in those relationships in a way that is meaningful. Because at the end of the day, people want to do business with their friends. And if you're likable and you come through for people, that's going to just help you build your, and I, you know, I'm speaking in terms of sales, obviously. But if I'm thinking about things that I would do differently or things that I would focus on, or, or you know, I know that's not the exact question, but I think I would focus heavily on the relationship side and nourishing those relationships so that, you know, 30 years later, you still are doing business with some of the same people you started with, which happens to be the case here. I just didn't understand it, you know, how much that was the case when I first started. That's great advice. And I'll be honest, when we started Brand Fuel in 97, 98, we had this, what I'll call a, a protectionist territorial mentality. <laughs> it was like, don't share the codes, don't tell people the secrets, and don't talk to anybody in the industry. They're going to poach our salespeople. And now if you go to our website, you know, you go to the About Us page, you've got a bio, you've got their phone number, you've got their email address. If we're not doing a good job, you know, then they leave and that's fine. Fortunately, it doesn't happen a lot. But the idea that we've started to open up and serve on boards and take advantage of creating organizations like Promo Kitchen and really connecting the people in the industry that you meet, you know, sort of outside of the customers, I think you're talking about, but the people in the industry you meet, just to go back to that for a second, that to me is like a retention play in a lot of ways for brand fuel. Like we encourage people to be involved in the industry at a higher level. And, you know, this idea of this sort of growth mentality is sort of more is better than less, I think served us pretty well. And we've seen some of our customers become employees and vice versa. And yeah, I, like you said, you stick around in it long enough and you focus on reputation and relationships. That stuff can bode well, very, very long term. Don't think short term. Well, I can tell you we're both members of Reciprocity Road, which this is a quick shameless plug there. Sorry <laughs> if that's not kosher. But, you know, I was always amazed with you and several others in the group and just how connected you were with so much extra volunteer, just this podcast alone and serving on boards and reciprocity was kind of like my first thing where I could look away from my business and breathe and get into kind of a peer type group. And I was envious of you guys having done that a lot longer and, and just probably what that's been able to do just from a feel good standpoint and from a networking and being in touch with the industry. You guys are amazing at that. So yeah. kudos. Yeah, well, back at you. So Melanie, that's the shout out for you is get involved outside of the four walls that's considered mm -hmm. right sleeve and where you can and you'll probably grow. And, and I know those guys over there would encourage that as well. Scotty, let's, let's talk about sledgehammers. Let's talk about bulldozers. <laughs> let's talk about tiny bombs. <laughs> if we could blow up icebox, like start fresh, man, like completely know what you know today. Yeah. What would you do from like a hiring perspective, the go-to-market strategy perspective? Would you do things differently? I would definitely do some things differently. And I've even done a lot of things around in circles. You know, I was in and out of the production and warehousing business, things like that, where I still don't know the perfect model. And as your business changes and you pivot and you're trying to add new revenue opportunities, it's a constant evolution. So a lot of it just helps you learn and stuff it in your head and you still may do it again 10 years later. But 
it may make sense the second time, or you may say, fool me twice, shame on me. Mm-hmm. But some of the things I would do differently, I would have invested a little heavier in technology earlier. Mm-hmm. We're kind of just now there and quite frankly behind. And so I think that could have helped. I think technology is tough in this space. We could have a very long conversation there. And then I would have done what we're doing better today than we ever have, which is spend more time really thinking through the people we bring on. I think as you're growing, you're going so fast and sometimes you hold on to people longer than maybe you should just because it's easier and you bring on people quicker than you should because it's easier. But in every business, really, but certainly in this space, people are everything. So the more winners, we call them here, you know, we're, we're trying to really hire winners that have the right attitude that ultimately find the right seat within the organization. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I would focus on differently, even though we're trying to focus on that very hard at the moment. I got one thing to add. This is advice for you, Melanie. As you think about, as you move into the environment of supporting relationships with customers and supporting sales teams and all that, if we were to blow up Randfuel, I think Robert and I would probably try and get really focused on one or two industry verticals and be the very, very best at those industry verticals with the products that address those verticals. We'd understand their language so we could talk their language, understand their business models, their competitors. We would be the go-to company for that vertical or verticals. And I think, you know, this idea, Seth Godin says, find your minimal viable audience, the MVA. And if you can do that and make good money with a minimal audience, which is very different than I think most of our industry, which is just get as much business as you can from wherever you can get it. I think there's some beauty in that. The idea that you would be a, a mindful specific versus a wandering generality. And I think we are now in our second decade of business just now figuring out that, wow, we're a little bit all over the place. We need to define ourselves better and find our community that will pay us a premium because we're the very best at something. So just a little bit of advice. You know, for me, I definitely work with a lot of different clients in a lot of industries. And I know when a supplier comes in to see us and we're having a conversation, that's a big thing that comes up. You know, who are you working with? What types of industries? So I I like that perspective of just working with a couple. I like working with a lot of different industries, to be honest with you. We have a few people at Access that their niche is beauty or fashion or media. It's something to think about, Melanie, for sure. And to sort of tag on what Danny said earlier, definitely utilize people outside of Right Sleeve. You're, you know, obviously involved in Promo Kitchen with this. I know I went back to every single podcast that they put out there. A couple of years ago, I listened to every single one over the course of a few months and learned so much through those podcasts that I would have never picked up through any webinar, any networking event, just listening to people from all different areas of the industry. So, you know, use Promo Kitchen, Comments Q has amazing content. Mm-hmm. You're involved with the right people to learn the right things. So keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, what's like scaring you right now with this industry? What do you think is a little bit like overwhelming and exciting all at once? Well, I think that the industry just there's so many products and so much like so much you can do with the industry but in a way that's also kind of exciting rather than scary because doing promotional marketing with merchandise it's a way to stand out now because so many other platforms like tv or instagram there's all this content that people can fast forward to or it's paid so people don't really believe in it but taking it back to like a simple branded umbrella or something like that can really just bring it back to basics. You see someone walking down the street or your friend has a cool phone case that's branded. You can start a conversation like, where'd you get that? Tell me more about it. And 
even just doing really cool things that aren't just a simple everyday umbrella or phone case. There's so many different products out there that you can put your brand on now. So just diving into that's really exciting. What does scare me is when maybe people don't know why they would go to middleman to do their promo stuff. They can just log in on Google and say branded tea and do something for a cheaper sort of value. But then that ends up being a cheap tea that maybe people might throw out. And so working in the industry, you just want to be able to show people the value that you can create something more creative. You can make it more a sustainable option if that's something that the client is worried about. Because that's another thing that's kind of scary about the industry is people associate, as I said, swag and promo stuff as something that might not be seen as sustainable. But we, as people in the industry, are here to help the client figure out exactly what they want so that it's not something that's just going to fall under the radar and be thrown into the garbage. <laughs> you know so much more than I did my first week's week. <laughs> Like the amount of respect you have, it sounds like, for what we're doing is definitely notable. So kudos to you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I love the talk about, and maybe it's a personal thing, or maybe they've taught you already, but the conversation around sustainable products. I mean, there's a lot of crap in our industry, a lot of cheap plastic crap. Yeah. And when we look at perceptions in the industry, a lot of people say trinkets and trash. They say tchotchkes. They say swag, which has good and bad connotations to it. Mm -hmm. And Things from China, we got tariffs, all this stuff that's the negative perception of the industry. And the other side of it is this product that's a physical medium in a digital world mm-hmm. that can, you know, incite a riot in someone, you know, to get them to do something, to spend time with you, to thank someone, to recognize somebody, to give somebody something that is functional, that will last a long time, that doesn't end up in the landfill with a brand on it or a message or a design that really resonates for someone that they might take a picture of it and put it on Instagram because they're so appreciative. And when you think about the value of that and this idea around sustainability, high quality products that last, that people want to receive, you know, the shirt that they want to wear versus the shirt they have to wear, Mm -hmm. this is the future of our industry for sure. So I'm impressed as well, Melanie, for sure. Scotty, one more question for you. Tell us like the younger Scotty, many years ago, you know, if you were to give yourself advice, and I think maybe this is really what we're trying to do is, is get you to give Melanie and anybody else who's new to the industry, give them your perspective and advice uh, about how they can charter a great path into our space. Yeah, I think you're already on a great path. And I would also add, by the way, this is a sidebar, your voice, you have, a, you have an amazing voice. So if, you, if it ever doesn't work out in the, I'm listening to you on the podcast, I'm like, she, she is like the Casey Kasem of this podcast. So you, you have a strong voice, but I'm sure from a gaining experience, you said the right thing. You're asking a lot of questions. By the way, those questions, and I agree, they will never end. They'll just become questions that you can be asking your customers and it'll be, you know, it's not going to be, where do I get this? It's going to be, how are you going to use this? And how can I add value and be, you know, very important relationship to help you hit your objective. So I think the number one thing, you know, if I had to say it in like one word, is just differentiate, you know, differentiate yourself from the everyone, differentiate your positioning within right sleeve as far as how you guys go to market. I think the companies that differentiate and are constantly thinking of, you know, new ways to add value to their customers are the ones that are thriving. And you guys already are. And like Danny said, you're in great hands to learn a lot from some very successful people in the industry. And 
I'm incredibly impressed already six weeks in. I couldn't agree more. I think the three of us are are envious of how long it took us to already know what you know in six weeks. Amazing. (laughs) Well, Scott and Melanie, you have to promise me that you'll seek me out at a new next industry event and that we can meet one another because I definitely want to meet both of you in person. I loved doing this with you. And this is my first time podcasting with Danny. So that was fun for me as well. Well, Really appreciate your time, guys. Yeah, absolutely. We enjoyed it. Yeah. Danny, you want to give a plug to your, uh, don't you have a big fundraiser coming up that I've been following a little bit? Yeah, well, it's band together and, and it's June 1st. So I don't know when this will post, but a lot of industry people are coming together to do something really good for some hungry kids in Raleigh, in the Raleigh area. But I think the bigger picture is like, get invested and involved in the industry again, like whether you're volunteering for PPEF or PPADERF, which is a disaster recovery program, a promo kitchen, which is a formal nonprofit in the community, or becoming a volunteer PPAI and find your way through these connections. And like you said, Scotty, the relationships that get born, I think promo kitchen, the spirit of it is about connecting and helping and teaching and learning from each other. And also talking about things that maybe you might not read about in industry publications. And so I appreciate the mention, but I think the bigger picture is find a way to serve and you'll find your customers, you'll find your coworkers, you'll find the right company to work for, the right companies to sell for, and I'll give you some meaning in your life too. So thanks for that. And and everybody, thanks for supporting Promo Kitchen. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.